Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. This year, we are walking through the whole Bible together as a church family, day by day and week by week. We meet at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person or catch our online gatherings by checking out our website at www.newgarden.church. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Good morning, everyone. I'm really excited to be back with you again this morning. And I'm excited that we're talking about Psalms, specifically Psalm 63. I know that throughout my life, I have just found that the Psalms are a wonderful book that I can read and connect with God in a unique way. There's so many different kinds of Psalms that I can always find something that speaks to me in that moment. So today I'll be sharing from Psalm 63. Uh, And so first I would like for us to read it together. So I'll read the words in the white and we can all read the words in the yellow together. And if you are at home and uh, that feels weird to you, uh, you don't have to participate and I'll still be reading them. So um, let's read these together. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Let's pray before we start this morning. God, this morning we come before you with listening ears. I ask that all that is heard today will be from you and not from me. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, when we're talking about Psalm 63, many believe that David wrote this from the desert of Judah. So if, you, if you're reading your Bible, over the top of it, it says, of David from the desert of Judah. And so people think David wrote this after fleeing King Saul, who was trying to kill him. And so David doesn't necessarily mean this verse metaphorically. There likely was no water available at all to him. Uh, to better illustrate what this was like, I found a Jewish scholar uh, who has some writings on this. So I thought I would share this excerpt with you today. He says this, What things does a person in the Judean wilderness lack? Foremost is water. He, he also doesn't have enough food. He misses his bed. There isn't enough shade. He feels the sun burning his skin and drying him out. There are wild animals roaming around, and if someone brings food into the wilderness, the animals will eagerly snatch it when he is not looking. As the wanderer loses his physical well-being, his mind also becomes weakened, and he may start to hallucinate. 
He has visions. He sees mirages. And so what David is experiencing here may be hard for us to relate to. We might not have ever been forced out into the wilderness by ourselves uh, or even with others to, you know, survive. And all this being chased by the king who's trying to kill him. And so uh, we might not relate to this automatically. This, This king who's been anointed by God is being forced to live like a vagabond. And there's a lesson that we can learn from this. So sometimes God calls us into something and it doesn't happen right away. David is anointed as king and it doesn't happen right away. He has to go through all this hardship before that he's able to come king later. And so on the way to things that we're called to in life, sometimes there will be hardships. It might not look like we expected. It might not be on our timeline, but even though David is going through perhaps the most challenging time of his life so far, David is seeking one thing, God alone. Even in the midst of hunger and thirst and heartache, David is fully praising God. He's confident that God is in control. And to David, the love of God is the thing that his stomach is hungry for and the thing that he's thirsting for, the love of God. And so this morning, I want us to think about two things that David exudes in this psalm. Those two things, confidence and satisfaction. And so this morning, we're going to think about how these two things relate to each other. Um, And so at the beginning of the chapter, we see that David, even in the midst of immense hardship, can be satisfied by one thing by God alone. And though he's starving and thirsty, David seeks God. And we see that at the beginning of the chapter. He says this, you God are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. And so here we see David expressing immense satisfaction in God, even though he's going through a great trial. And so at the end of the chapter, we see where David's confidence is. He's confident in God alone. Even though he's been chased out of town and is being hunted by the king himself, David earnestly believes that God will be faithful to him. He writes this, I cling to you, Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. And one thing that's interesting here is that we see where David's confidence is. He's not confident in himself. He's not confident in himself that his enemies will be given over to the sword. He's confident in God. 
That's his way of showing that he trusts God's promise to him. So I don't know about you, but when I think of confident people and I think of people who are deeply satisfied, those aren't always the same people. They're not two feelings that I often put together. And so for me, when I think of confident people, I think of people who are outspoken, often even brash. Um, They're these people that they think anything that you can do, I can do it better. And most of the time, these people have immense gifts. They're very skilled, talented people. They're incredibly charismatic. People love to hear them talk or they're amazing athletes. They have a large following. And when I think of highly satisfied people, I think of people in my life who are really invested in their families. Um, They're people who have given up on the race to the top and, and are at peace in their lives. And so you probably know some highly confident people and you probably know some people who are deeply satisfied. I know that I do, but the older that I get, I'm realizing one thing more and more and more. And that's this. Is that the, the deeply satisfied people that I know are also rich in confidence. But this confidence is not a confidence in themselves. See, a confidence in ourselves, it overcompensates. It always wants more. It gloats. And when we are confident in God, we are satisfied. So when we're confident in ourselves, we're never satisfied. But when we're confident in God, we are satisfied. And so we have to have a confidence in God that is bigger than our abilities, our wealth, our control. In Psalm 63, David has this exact confidence. David is confident that God will be faithful to him. He's been chosen by God as the next king of Israel. And guess what? He believes that. Even as the current king is chasing him down, he's been forced to flee out to the outer reaches of Israel. He's confident that God will protect him because he's satisfied in his relationship with God. And so when God's hands upholds us, we rejoice because in God, we are secure. And so uh, this isn't the type of confidence that we have all the time. So Alexander Hamilton, ever heard of him? He's one of the founding fathers of our country. And you've probably seen or at least heard of the theater production entitled Hamilton. It's, it's a musical um, about different things that happened in the revolution. Alexander's Hamilton's role in that, as well as uh, his some of the things from his personal life. And so Alexander Hamilton was this highly confident person. And he had a right to be. At a young age, he had achieved a a very high rank in the military. He had a really uh, significant role in the beginnings of our nation and in the first ever U.S. government. And Hamilton had these great ideas, uh, including creating the first central banking system in our country. He had so much potential and he he, he had achieved so much at such a young age. But his ego led him into so many things that weren't good for him, including infidelity. And eventually his pride cost him his life. And he was incredibly confident in his own abilities, but he could not be satisfied professionally or personally. 
And we see this with David later in life too. David wasn't always uh, writing from the same place that he is in Psalm 63. He's not always confident in the midst of struggle. He's not always confident in God. He's not always looking for his satisfaction in God. He's this mighty warrior. He becomes king of a thriving nation. And sometimes he starts to read the newspapers and believe the hype that he can do as he pleases without confidence consequence. But this leads him, like Alexander Hamilton, into infidelity and abuses of power. To bring it home a little bit more for us today, I experienced uh, this imbalance as well. It's, it's all too easy to start believing that I have what I have and I do what I do because I am really good at stuff and because I have earned it. And that's why. And the truth is that sometimes we can rely too much on God's gifts that he has given to us and not enough on God. We begin to forget where our satisfaction is supposed to come from and we become dissatisfied, always wanting more. And we start to believe that God is holding out on us. And this has been happening since the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. They had everything that they could have ever wanted. They could have been completely satisfied in God. But they started to believe that, well, maybe we could have a little bit more control. Maybe we could have a little bit more power. And that confidence that was placed in the wrong things left them in a world of trouble. And there's example after example of this in the Bible of people who are too confident in themselves and not confident enough in God. Jesus tells the story of a wise man who built his house on a rock and a foolish man who built his house on the sand. See, the foolish man, he was confident in two wrong things. He was confident in himself that he knew best, and he was confident in the sand, which was not a firm foundation. And so we all know what happens. The, the rains came, the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went splat, right? And so that happens all the time. Jesus tells another story about two sons, one of which was confident in his father's gifts, but was dissatisfied in his father's house. And so he took his father's gifts and he went out and he, he squandered it all. He, he got to the end of those gifts and he was found himself at the end of his rope. And just like my youth minister used to say all the time, when you get to your end Get to the end of your rope, take your shoes off, because you're probably standing on holy ground. It's at this point that he realizes what he's done, and he says, I would be satisfied to be a slave in my father's house. And he goes home. And so this happens time and time and time again in our world, in our society. It's happened in the Bible. And so here's two questions that I want to leave us with today. Where is our confidence found and will we be satisfied in Christ? Where is our confidence found and will we be satisfied in Christ? So I want to tell you a story. In 2005, Tom Brady sat down with this journalist, Steve Croft, on 60 Minutes. And at this point, Tom Brady had already won three Super Bowl championships. And we know now that he's won four since then, totaling in seven Super Bowl championships. And during the interview, they talked about how Brady was constantly uh, 
undercovered and people didn't believe in him. He he uh, didn't even start two years in high school. He finally did. He made it to Michigan, but he was the seventh quarterback on the roster. And, you know, from there, he worked himself up. He got drafted towards the end of the NFL draft in 2000. And since then, Brady has had to work his way to the top time and time and time again, proving the doubters wrong. And he's now known to many as the greatest quarterback of all time. But in this interview in 2005, Croft asks Brady a really insightful question. He says this, which is your favorite Super Bowl ring? And maybe that's not the most insightful question, but the answer itself is insightful. Brady thinks for a second and he always he says, I always say that the next one is the best one. And it's precisely this attitude that has gotten Tom Brady to the stature and position that he's in as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And it's precisely this attitude that we celebrate in our society and It's largely true that in life, oftentimes, hard work pays off. But here's my point. Someday for Brady, and it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen for all of us. There will not be a next one. There won't be a next Super Bowl championship for Brady. There won't be another promotion for us to get. There won't be more wealth for us to accumulate because someday in all of our lives, We're going to run out of time. And it's in those moments where all those accolades, all those things that we're searching for, that we've believed in ourselves, that we can achieve, all of them are going to add up to nothing. And the question that we're going to have to ask ourselves is, are we satisfied? Are we satisfied in Christ? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And so that brings me back to the two questions that we can ask ourselves. Where is our confidence found? Is our confidence in our wealth, in our power, in our control, in our accolades? Or is it in Jesus? And will we be satisfied in Christ? Will we be satisfied in in the blessings that we've been given? Or will we be constantly dissatisfied, wanting more and more and more? And Paul answers these questions for himself. And so he's writing a letter to the Philippians. And towards the end, um, he, he talks about where he is, where his confidence is, and his satisfaction level. And so this is in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Paul writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whether you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And here's the important part. 
I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Why? Because I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so this morning, as we go to the table, I want us to think about two things. I want us to be highly confident in what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has brought us into the family of God. And that's what we get to celebrate at the table today. And I want us to be deeply satisfied in Christ, deeply satisfied in our time together with the people of God. We have to stop wanting more and more and more. And we have to be confident that what we have is enough, that Jesus is enough for us. And so I'll pray for us as we go to the table today. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to to be together. I just ask that you'll be with us and all those watching, uh, God, that that they uh, can, can hear from you today. God, that I just ask that we will be confident in you. God, that we will be satisfied in your life that you have for us. God, in all these things, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us and we'll be back with another episode next week.